we all know the blues. You know, you you do something wrong or someone does something wrong to you and every once in a while you just think about it. It just sticks with you for a long time. All that manifests into a, a whole different thing in music. Songs of remorse. According to the man we're talking about tonight, only exists between lovers. Only exists about breakup. Edward James House, better known as Sun House. I'm Pat. And I'm Ian. Thank you for watching, dude. Check out this song. Watching? Listening to. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. <laughs> I mean, you can watch us. You can try. You can stare at the little box. <laughs> like Pat said, he was born Eddie James House on March 21st in 1902. Eddie? Eddie. Is that what his parents called him? Little Eddie? Little Eddie. Yeah, and he was born near Clarksville, Mississippi. Although some sources do say he was born in Riverton. Pretty sure he was born near Clarksdale because that's most, uh, the most consistent thing I can find on it. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a few historians who have delved quite deeply into yeah. this gentleman. Yeah, he was the second of three brothers. Not a ton on his on his childhood, really, other than his parents separated when he was seven or eight, you know, and moved down to Tallulah, Louisiana for a little while. That's about it from his childhood, like early childhood. Yeah, so it's it's... Much like everyone else, you don't really have a lot to know about well, especially them especially in this especially in this time too I mean they're just he probably has a lot more uh, on him than a lot of the other people we covered just because he lived long enough to be able to tell it yeah, absolutely it makes sense you know around uh, fifteen he started uh preaching as a Southern Baptist in Lyon, Mississippi, which wait hold on fifteen fifteen holy shit yeah, he was really into God that's uh Oh, it, it becomes a huge thing in his life. This is what he wants to do. Unfortunately, preaching don't pay the bills. No, exactly. We covered that in the last episode. Uh, if you're going to be a preacher or a minister, you kind of also have to be a laborer or something else to do. Yeah, well. Do your work everything every other day but Sunday. Yeah. Speaking of being a laborer, that's when, around the same time he started uh, bailing tree moss for mattress stuffing. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let's, <laughs> let's roll that back for a second. Bailing? tree moss for mattress stuffing yeah it, it must have been like the cheapest of the cheap mattresses you could get i don't know i don't know what mattresses were made of back then god i would be so pissed if someone was like i got I, you a mattress but uh, it's full of tree moss this podcast is not called dude check out this mattress <laughs> <laughs> Thank so god. <laughs> so uh yeah I don't really know a whole lot of information on that but he uh you know he did that uh between 1916 and 1920 didn't like it that much but Got to work, right? You got to make money. Became a, a full-on pastor for a Baptist church in 1922, but also, you know. Still not a paying job. Still not a paying job. So he had to start working at the Commonwealth Steel uh, Steel Plant in uh, East St. Louis. Did that for a few years and then ended up working on a horse farm in Louisiana for a little while, too. So how old is he at this point? Like, what, uh, in early 20s? Yeah, like uh, probably about 23 yeah, okay, so he's like 23 years old at this point, working on a horse farm. Yeah, so this is actually like the easiest work he's ever done, because if you look at some of the other stuff, he's like straight up, I don't know, but he, hard manual labor. And I say all these boring facts to just kind of, you know, show that he really didn't like laboring. Yeah. Or he hated laboring. He really just wanted to preach. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. But the other thing he didn't, he did not like was guitar. 
he did not like blues music early he, on in his life. So he didn't like the blues. He didn't like guitar. He didn't like laboring, but he loved God. Love God. Uh, he loved alcohol too. Let's let's get uh, okay. that right out of the way. So okay, he really so, loved alcohol and women and women. <laughs> but yeah, the reason why he didn't like the blues was because blues is kind of devilish, you know. Yeah, at least that was the association back then. Yeah, the, and you know he was he, was non non religious. Yeah, and he's got he's got a couple quotes here that uh, I think kind of really show what uh, his early thoughts on the blues. And the first one is. I didn't like no guitar when I first heard it. Oh, gee. I couldn't stand the guy playing the guitar. I didn't like none of it. <laughs> couldn't stand the guy couldn't playing stand it. Couldn't stand it. That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, did, not that he didn't want to play. He couldn't even stand somebody else playing that thing. Hell no. That's six strings of the devil. <laughs> and, the, and then the other, this other quote, I, I think, kind of goes towards uh, the whole blues and the church thing. And it goes, I quote, now, just to tell the truth by it, I didn't. I didn't believe in no blues. I was too churchy. Just putting your hands on a on an old guitar, why? Looked like that was sin. Ah, uh, just putting your hands on that just, old guitar, just touching an old God, dusty blues God guitar. Is like, nope, nope. You playing <laughs> the blues? You done? Straight to hell. That's the devil's music. Well, so just despite this, he did uh, eventually end up picking up the guitar. Well, yeah, it's the devil's music. He's <laughs> drinking and still liking women. Well, and that and that's the thing is I think his drinking is a big reason why he started picking up the guitar because, you know, hanging out and, you know, little bars and stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, we can confirm at least that he's the juke joint at one point. <laughs> at one point. But, yeah, so he didn't even start playing till 1926, right around the time when he was, like, 25. Yeah, that's that's pretty old to be picking up the guitar. Yeah, honestly. that's not like, that's not an early time. Like even modern standards, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like most people pick up the guitar like, oh, I'm four years old playing these jams. But yeah, at least and, in this era. But I guess he picked it up real fast. You know, he had um, he had help from um, an old Delta blues musician named Rube Lacey, and uh, he he was teaching him his slide guitar style. While he was learning this, he also would see a local musician, Willie Wilson. Uh, play bottleneck guitar, and he was amazed by this. I got, I got a quote. He said, "This boy had a thing on his finger like a small medicine bottle, and he was just zinging it, you know, just zinging it, just zinging it." Oh, I like that. <laughs> just zinging it. He had a thing like a medicine bottle on his hand. He was just zinging it, just zinging it. You know, he would just play as a hired musician. So I imagine he just did it all the time, and that's why he, uh, how he picked it up so fast, because. What else was he going to do? Go back out in the field and work? <laughs> I mean, so this is so what we have proven so far. He doesn't like labor. He likes Jesus. He likes liquor. He likes women. Does he like the blues at this point? I think at this point he likes the blues. So he just, he made a swap on that. He's like, you yeah, know what? Like, that, that may be the devil's music, but it's also. It also gets me whiskey. <laughs> yeah, it also gets me a lot of women and whiskey, so. <laughs> This, uh, this may further later uh, go inspire one of his protégés. Yeah, but his uh, his early career didn't last too long. He was uh, sentenced to imprisonment at the Parchman Farm for shooting a man dead at some wild party near Clarksdale. Well, kind of. Technically, from what some uh, historians can find, that there is no direct evidence, at least legally, of his uh, this prison stay. 
Yeah, well, I mean, who knows how spotty the records were back then, though, either, so. And he also himself uh, mixes up the what years he was there in different retellings and different eras in his life, but, we, you know. Everybody does that anyway. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, that's still a great blues story. Is a... The way he tells it is that a man came in on a shooting rampage into a juke joint. And uh, this is where I said earlier we can confirm at least once in his life that he was in a juke joint because he admitted it right in his own story. Well, well now we have the truth. And uh, apparently he shot that man dead. I I like to envision that he was uh, that he was playing the guitar up on stage. Just, <laughs> you know, and the, the guy, the guy came comes in, in just starts you know, blasting people and, away. And, and you know what this guy's yelling. What? I hate the blues. The blues is the devil. No music. way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't know. I, that's that Damn was it. that was my uh, that, that was my. You hope. had me going. Yeah. yeah. So what we're really getting into here is is folklore is important. Like I think this serves whether or not Sunhouse killed this man. Whether it doesn't not, really matter whether or not he served two out of fifteen years. Well, uh, well, folklore is huge. I mean, just look at Robert Johnson. I mean, yeah. So his the, whole his whole musical ambiguity is uh, based off of whether he sold the soul of the devil or not. Yeah, exactly. And and we're gonna get a lot more into that in a later episode. Oh yeah, but, we're definitely covering uh, Robert Johnson this season. Yeah, exactly. But uh, honestly, the the reality here is that 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 legend that build up is what these blues musicians honestly needed. Oh it yeah, was, it was that entry cred. It was the the little entry cred, mm-hmm. exactly. So you had to have that aura, and you know it's ironic that he has kind of a he never leaves his religious and gospel background. He never no. like, shies away from it at all. So it's it's interesting kind of duality there. I mean that kind of goes to the point where his parents, you know, really lobbied hard for his release, claiming it was self defense. So if it actually was a guy who came into the bar and started shooting people. That would truly be self-defense. Yeah, exactly. And and the the funny thing is, like, he also makes reference to some random, like, white man who uh, comes to save him. Once again, uh, it, <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to decipher what's part of the the legend and what's part of reality. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of like uh, really interesting documentaries that dig a lot into it. Most of them will take for granted that he did spend prison time at this point. Yeah, and. He was imprisoned on a farm, so maybe it was just like you got to go work hard labor. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that that was a regular sentence yeah, like back then. almost like a chain gang thing. Like yeah, you know. exactly. So he spent uh, ended up serving two years. Like I said, got off on uh, judge got him off on self defense, but after he was released, the judge supposedly said to never set foot in Clarksdale again. Oh. And uh, well, if the judge tells you to never step foot in the, this X place again, you did do something wrong. <laughs> well, and I mean, that was also at a time where like people probably wouldn't have minded if he came back into town. The judge just walked up to him and goes, told you not to step foot here again and then shot him dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I warned you, bud. Now we're going to do something exactly. really, really disgusting. <laughs> exactly. After that, he ends up moving to uh, Lula, Mississippi, which supposedly he was chasing a woman. Lulu or Lula? Lula, L-U-L-A. And supposedly he was chasing a woman. I mean, but that doesn't really matter. What really matters is that's where he met his blues buddies, Charlie Patton and Willie Brown. Ooh, now that's some blues names. Oh, Charlie yeah, Pat- Charlie Patton is like the blues guy. Like, he he was super big back then for every blues musician. Yeah, exactly. He had an in- he had an influence on uh, 
Robert Johnson. I mean, like Sunhouse did, but he also had an influence on Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, all those guys. Yeah, you honestly, it, when you dig back, Charlie Patton is equally as big as Sunhouse. Uh, we we pick Sunhouse just out of a like a personal taste. Well, not just that, but there really isn't any information on Charlie Patton either. I mean, we could talk about him for ten minutes. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll give it a try when we have a little more time to do research between yeah. seasons. Maybe we'll dig into some of these people who have much less available information regularly. Yeah, we might have to lump them in with some uh, some other people like we did in our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, they teamed up and they started playing gigs together. You know, they had some small time success. People were digging it. You know, they go from juke joint to juke joint and. You know, playing their ditties. Yeah, and so but, they were independent acts, right? Like, independent, yeah. But I mean, they all kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those eras where they'd all kind of get on stage together and play certain songs. And, you know, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they still do that a lot. Like nowadays, we just call them open mics. Yeah. Even though they were friends in later years, Sunhouse would call Charlie Patton a jerk and, you know, some other names that didn't sound too nice. So you can't have a blues duo friend you know thing that doesn't end on a cold rainy night when one of them did the other wrong and a, a teardrop runs down my long cheek oh boys apparently charlie patton like his booze too so oh so so we'll we'll reverse that a long drunken night <laughs> so sometime around uh 1930 paramount records comes down to uh, comes down Comes down to Lula. Comes on down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> uh, specifically for uh, Charlie Patton, though. And they invite him up to Wisconsin to record. So, obviously, he's got to bring his buddies, Sunhouse and Willie Brown with him. And, uh, you know, brought a few more musicians that... So, they're just like, hey, Charlie, bring some friends. No, they're like, hey, Charlie, you want to record? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to bring my pals, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie, no, that's a, that's a bro move right there. <laughs> oh, so, th- I mean, yeah, I mean... It seemed like you know they were bros till the uh, till the end. Well, until yeah. until the end, but yeah. the end is uh, something. It's not death. <laughs> it's whatever. Whenever too many drinks were had, and, and so yeah, apparently like a lot of classics came out of this between Charlie Patton and Sunhouse. Like uh, Sunhouse had two songs that were considered like masterpieces, called "My Black Mama" and "Preaching the Blues." Yeah, I mean, in fact, with "My Black Mama." He ended up teaching that riff to uh, Robert Johnson and Muddy Waters. Oh, well, I mean, those are two names that are kind of big, I if, guess. If you listen, if you if you even kind of know the blues, you've heard those two names. Yeah, no, if you if you if you even don't listen to the blues, you're like, OK, I at least know who Muddy Waters is. And yeah. Robert Johnson, you, if you just know anything about like American history, you have that in your brain. Well, I mean, he he's the original sold my soul to the devil. Like, yeah. I mean, he just. He started that whole thing. Yeah, even if you don't know who Robert Johnson is, you understand the meme enough to where if you said, I stood on the crossroads as a blues musician, you'd be like, oh, you sold your soul to the devil. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, well, man, we keep bringing him up. We're definitely going to do an episode on him. Well, he 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 really uh, is one of the main, or uh, Sunhouse is one of the main inspirations. So, yeah, it, it's understandable. Well, Sunhouse was reference. a big influence on Robert Johnson, too, it, mm-hmm. which is why we're doing him because, you know, there's all these little stepping stones into the blues that without this guy and without that guy, you know. And that's honestly what we're trying to do with this season is really build up that that stepping stone that comes up with the uh, folk and blues in the era. Yeah. Out of these recordings, uh, you know, out of the 
because of these recordings, you know, they both got bigger, but uh, Paramount used, used a new pressing compound on their 78s. And yeah, oh boy, these recordings are terrible. At least, at least the Sunhouse ones. I don't oh, know about the Charlie Patton ones. They but didn't turn out good. You no, know, as soon as any of the recordings I heard, which was probably taken from the original seventy, as soon as you put that needle on, is singing. Yeah, is they're bad. Oh, it's, and it, so it wasn't just like a like a aging issue. I know that a lot of the test presses and weird presses they did in, in this era just didn't last long. Every well, uh, everything I read was if you found a good copy, it would still do that. Oh well, who? Yeah, and after this, they probably he definitely enjoyed some more success. Uh, you know, because especially back then, having a recording helped get your name out there. You know, I mean, you know, we don't have the internet now where we can just like. Hype up our band on Facebook. Yeah, uh, this this was hyping your band up on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. Having your buddy sneak you into recording session <laughs> at Paramount. <laughs> Around 1933, 1934, Charlie Patton dies. Oh, well, they're not very old. Is how old is Charlie Patton when he dies? Uh, he couldn't have been old. Uh, I'm not I don't like I said I haven't done the research on him, so I don't know the his exact is it <sighs> Uh, I, yeah, but I mean, even at this point, Sunhouse is thirty-one years old. Thirty, yeah, yeah, around then. I think Charlie Patton was a little older than him, though. So he didn't live a long life, that's for sure. That that's also why there's not a lot of information on him. Yeah, okay. But that's you know that's definitely a that's definitely a hard hit to Sunhouse. Well, I mean, that's understandable. Someone you you know tour with a lot, and someone you consider close, even if you did call him an asshole, you know what I mean. <laughs> It was definitely a a big deal in his life, so, but he, you know, he troopered through. He kept kept uh, playing, and he eventually ended up recording for the Library of Congress in 1942. And yeah, there's some there's some kick ass songs. This in there. is with our buddy Alan Lomax, by the way. Oh, okay, good. He, he records so many of the best people. We're gonna cover more of his uh, recordings. Uh, some of them are uh, quite quite amazing. Oh yeah, so. I mean just. Just the whole Library of Congress stuff. There's some great, great old blues stuff that came out of that. Mm-hmm. He recorded some great songs like uh, Walking Blues, Special Rider Blues, The Pony Blues, The Jinx Blues. And and actually, Walking Blues is my dude. Check out this song because uh, that's, a, that's a killer, like, slow driving, just oh, yeah. Delta Blues. like the dun, Yeah, that was our warm-up song yeah, for tonight. That was, was a, yeah. Mm, and he had that was, cool little slide in there, and then he hit that pinky up. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was really cool. Yeah, it really brings you back. Like, that music still uh, just carries such a soul with it. It really does. Blues is definitely probably one of the more soulful music uh, in the world. So, yeah, and then in 1943... He's kind of done with Mississippi. Life's a little too tough in Mississippi. He's got to escape. Hops a train to Rochester, New York, and lands himself a job with uh, with the train line. And so, you know, he keeps playing, but seems like, you know, th- uh, he's starting to slow down. I don't know, getting, you know, getting a real job and whatever, you know. He, he's starting to get up there in age, you know. He hates working, but honestly, it's kind of sad. It seems like he has to actually have a real job for most <laughs> of his quote-unquote career. Yeah, pretty much. In 1952, Willie Brown dies. Oh, the 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 third leg of the triumvirate. Yeah, and this hits him even harder. After this, he retires from music altogether. He's just done. He's just done. I have a quote. He says, "I said, well, sir, 
All My Boys Are Gone. That was when I stopped playing. I don't even know what I did with the guitar. Wow. Like, to just put the guitar down. He is done. Just put the guitar down. He is done. Jesus. Well, uh, so he actually stays away for a long time, right? Yeah. So a, what year was this? This was 1952. 1952. So, so, so at least eight years, because it says in a quote, early 60s. Uh, I think I got an actual date when he was... Uh, uh, 1964 until is what I have until 1960. Yeah, so that's it, like 12 years. Yep, in Rochester, New York. Yeah, uh, where he'd been living since 1943. Yeah, uh, that uh, that's uh, when, yeah when he hopped the train. Yep. So uh, after a long search, uh, three gentlemen actually kind of decided we're gonna talk about something that happened uh, in between before he got discovered. Oh, oh, there, yeah. Okay, we can't, we can't forget that. Now, okay, can we? so so he's giving me the signal here, and it, it, the signal he gives me is like a gun motion. So I mean, I, I didn't know how else to do it. So I guess we should mention in 1955 there is a less disputable incident. <laughs> uh, he he does kill another man. Yeah. Uh, this one is it's it's manslaughter via self defense at work site or something that, of that sort, uh, something like that. It was at least with a coworker, so maybe they were out drinking after work. I don't yeah, know exactly. Uh, we either way, this time he is one hundred percent has uh, he's killed that man, though he is acquitted because it's self defense. Yeah, so at least there's one confirmed death. <laughs> well, I mean, that'll go on your blues clout. <laughs> I was out drinking with my coworker, and he said something bad, so I killed him or he whatever. He talked about my mama. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, it was, you know, if they did If they himself, quitted him, yeah. If they quitted him self-defense, it was probably him defending himself. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be able to defend yourself, especially in that era. Oh, yeah. After that, by the way, <laughs> uh, uh, some years later, these three gentlemen decide that they're going to uh, roll back and... Uh, Try and find this old blues legend. Which, which happened a lot in this era, too. Like like a rediscovery. Oh, yeah. A lot of my favorite musicians were rediscovered then. And if it wasn't for this rediscovery, there's probably a lot of music, blues musicians who uh, would have just fallen to the wayside. Yeah, and this is where they all came back all old and, yeah. and grizzled. And well, because they all lived a life, you it, know. Is this a similar era with uh, Mississippi John Hurt being rediscovered? It is. It is, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he was discovered earlier but uh yeah he was kind of the whole uh part of the whole same blues revival th scene that was mm -hmm. going on bunch of white guys going huh that music is way better than ours <laughs> so originally we had a triumvirate of uh of three mu blues musicians and two of them died causing the third to go into retirement now we have a trio of men who think no Sunhouse has to come back yeah nick perils uh, and he's a uh, American audio engineer. Uh, he's a founder of Yazoo Records and the Blue Goose Records. Never heard of him. Me neither. I have no idea what either <laughs> of those things are. Uh, so clearly, he was extremely successful. Yeah, he was extremely. Hey, I'm not no talking shit. He refounded Sunhouse. <laughs> Sunhouse is awesome. Well, I was never born then, so I didn't have a chance. And you're definitely going to continue to talk shit because the next guy's name is Dick Waterman. Go ahead and get your giggle out of it. <laughs> that's a great name. I know. I mean, I, come on. That's uh, why I legally applied for your name to be changed to Dick Waterman. <laughs> good thing. Uh, good thing you can't change my name. <laughs> uh, he's an American writer, promoter, photographer. He's apparently super influential on uh, blues recordings in the 60s. 
He's well, he's kind of a big deal. With uh, a name like Dick Waterman, yeah. you better do something good. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's the sixties. People had names that were much more silly, and a lot of them <laughs> had Dick in their name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Names today are pretty silly too. Yeah, I'm sure, well, especially give it twenty years, people are gonna laugh. Phil Spiro. He is uh, the host of a Boston uh, radio show at the time. He is super devoted to like folk and blues and all the revivals. Uh, the three of them get together and they're like, we're going to refine Sunhouse. And they go find him in, uh, in Rochester, New York in uh, 1964. And if you guys, uh, instead of a dude check out this song, I want you guys to dude check out this image. If you put all three of these guys' names in there with Sunhouse into the Google. And their names are again. Nick Perils, P-E-R-L-S. Dick Waterman. Waterman is, you know, one word. And Phil Spiro, S-P-I-R-O. And you put those three names in there with Sunhouse, you're going to get a photo with all four of them sitting on this deck. and Sunhouse surrounded by the three whitest guys you've ever yeah, seen. These cracker nerd looking guys <laughs> with, the, with the military issue goggle glasses. And <laughs> the, the, the thin mustache. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it's is, great. It's a 60s photo. But honestly, like I said, we're not going to make fun because they rediscovered <laughs> Sunhouse. We oh. wouldn't have all the things. Oh, no. We, you mean other than the uh, the fun we just made of them? Yeah, except for the fun <laughs> we just made of them and any fun that happens to have after here. Uh, everybody know if you, especially because I know one of them is still alive. Oh, uh, really? I'm not sure about Phil. I couldn't find a, a lot of information about him, but I know that uh, one of them is still alive. So which one? I believe it is Dick Waterman is uh, still alive. Uh, keeping the name strong. Yeah, at 83 years old, I believe. <laughs> He's uh, hanging on. If you're listening, congratulations and thank you. Uh, please don't don't beat up Ian for laughing <laughs> at your name. <laughs> I'll do it after we uh, cut. <laughs> All right. Well, and what was really weird is, well, I don't know weird, but what was crazy is uh, Sunhouse never touched a guitar when he put it down. He actually ha- had to have a guitarist named Alan Wilson from the blues rock group, Can Heat. He had to sit him down and reteach him how to play his own songs. Wait, so we had to have like a, here's a tutorial on the musician you used to yeah. be. Hey, here, I'm your, I'm your guitar lesson. Today we're going to play a song that you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to play an old blues standard. Is it written by a sir, man named Sunhouse? My name's Sunhouse. I know it's your song. Here you go. <laughs> and uh, the one, the one really cool thing about the blues revival is um, all these old mu- blues musicians, including Sunhouse, you know, They had a lot more success now, uh, you know, got to play a lot larger shows, get their music out there. I mean, he performed blues festivals, colleges, he even played all the way into Europe. You think a guy like him really thought he'd ever make it to Europe and play in front of the European people? Yeah, down home, Delta Blues boy out, out. Yeah. Touring Europe. Touring Europe. And he still depended on his bottle to calm his nerves, too. Of course, he's out there. I could imagine him. Bigger crowds, too. Probably in, like, Paris. And, you know, I mean, probably a lot of white folks. So, uh, you know, <laughs> probably a bunch of people he wasn't used to playing in front of. Oh, God. Could you imagine the era, too? Like, right <laughs> before the Great Depression, everybody's all like... Uh... Well, and then in the 60s, you know, you've mm-hmm. got you've got uh, the whole movement, uh, you know, so racial oh, tensions right. are pretty high, too. That's right. It was the 60s when yeah. you, you toured, toured Europe. So, I don't yep. know if that's, uh, that's probably not any better. <laughs> well, yeah, and so... Um, um, but I mean, at least he got out there and people dug his stuff, you know, at least through the sixties by the early seventies, I couldn't find an exact date, 
uh, his health started getting worse. He was uh, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Oh, no, I feel bad for mentioning that his story changes. <laughs> and at first, you know, it just affected his memory, and he was having trouble remembering songs on stage. And then eventually, um, his hands just sh- uh, shook so bad, he couldn't even play anymore. He had to give it up. And so by 1976, he retired once again. Oh, at 1976? That's not even that long. That's, that's like 12 years. And so is probably... Okay, that's another decade of playing music. But, I mean, those probably last like four or five years were probably pretty hard. Well, it's, yeah, let's not forget 76. He is 74 years old. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's just sad. Yeah, it is very sad. Honestly, like, uh, it's not super sad because there is videos available of even him once he's, like, laddering to his senility and, yeah. and pictures of him and his family and videos of him, like, looking at pictures of when he was younger and talking with family members and they do an interview with some family members. And it's a it's a good time. You know, I mean, yeah, I, well, I mean, at least he got to enjoy family stuff. But yeah, exactly. It had still, to be it had to be rough with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Yeah, exactly. He was a jolly old man still, though. He was most of it. He was smiling and laughing and having a good time. Well, so, well, that's good, because, I mean, he did live for another 12 years. He uh, passed away October 19th on in 1988 in Detroit, Michigan. So, yeah, that's uh, surrounded by family. Yeah, that's sad, but at least he at least he got to it, die he, well. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I mean he lived a, a good long time too, where a lot of the blues musicians. What, what year did he die? Nineteen eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. So yeah, he's eighty-six years old. Yeah. He's uh, he's uh, pushing almost ninety, and especially you know being on the bottle most of his life and being oh, a blues yeah. musician. That's well, a, not most of his life. He would go he would go back and forth. Uh, from what I read, it was like you know when he was drinking. He was drinking. Oh, and then he would sober up. And, and then he'd be, be preaching. Yeah. And yeah. No, no, God, no booze. God <laughs> yeah. brought me back. And then, and then he ba- drinking I'm again. back on the blues, sir. I'm back on the blues. <laughs> <laughs> but one cool thing, though, is unlike all the other people we've uh, we've covered, Sunhouse was inducted into the, the Blues Hall of Fame in 1980. So he at least got to live to see himself inducted in the Blues Hall of Fame. That is awesome because yeah. everybody we've covered so far is in there, but posthumously. Yeah, that is very cool. So he, he, actually, he was actually earlier than a lot of the people we covered got in there earlier than a lot of people because they didn't get into like the nineteen the nineteen nineties and two thousands and well, stuff. Well, if if some guys went and found him because of his influential original recordings, you definitely can see that there's a trackable past. To yeah. him being highly influential in the beginning. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, I mean that makes a lot, a lot of sense. And people really like they think of him as just the Delta Blues traditional. He is Delta Blues oh, somehouse. Yeah. You know, if you don't think Robert Johnson, if you're, you know, if you, not yeah, the, into, like any Lightning Hopkins later, like you know, well he was stuff. he definitely had a big thing on the the Delta Blues slide guitar. You mm-hmm. know, just belting it out there, and, but. People really they they forget about the fact that he has so much like gospel and holler influence. Hollers being like, uh, you know, the, the black work groups uh, singing songs. Oh, okay. There's so much of that influence in his kind of like kind of like the old slave song style. Yeah, exactly. Got yeah. you. So I'm I'm sure it's modernized and adopted through the. Well, and that, that makes sense with how much uh, preaching he did. You know, he. He really did love Jesus. Yeah, exactly. And so there's so much of that like vocal influence that that's where his uniqueness comes from. Yeah. That's why he stood out against all of the others in that background is because his, if you really listen to it, and obviously just take a look at any song and the lyrics, he's always talking about, you know, preaching 
Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, godliness and whatever it may be. Oh yeah. And we're, you know, here we're not we're not religious anyway in this podcast, but it, it's it's interesting to see him against a bi- well, backdrop of like, you know, lawlessness in well, blues. Well, and it you uh, it has to be mentioned because it's part of his story really. I mean, uh, it is a very large yeah, it, part of his story. And, I mean, it almost kept him from even playing the blues. I mean, the, you know, think about that if he never played the blues. Yeah, exactly. And so the way that his blues was made, apparently, it was specifically supposed to be dance music. Like he liked to, he liked oh, to get down yeah. on the blues, like get the down on those joints. juke joints. Yeah, yeah you know, exactly. sit on the bar, you know. And so that's why he played the resonator. It was meant to be heard through like a whole bunch of like loud, you know, yeah. commotion oh, yeah. and things well, like that. The name says it all, really. Yeah, the resonator. Yeah, exactly. And if you guys don't know what kind of guitar that is, it just it it has a a, a metal plate underneath the strings where like a pickup on an electric guitar would go and it just, it really does a great job of um, resonating the tone from the guitar. Yeah, exactly. And it gives the t- guitar a completely unique tone, especially yeah, it's when it's much more, with, it's got a much more metallic tone too. Mixed with a slide. It makes this like, like that's a yeah, that, terrible that, that, like, that, that, <laughs> representation that, of it. I'm sorry, guys. That typical. Yeah. Yeah, that was oh, yeah. not any better. Yeah. That was we, better than yours. We should have had an example, but instead <laughs> you guys got that. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that was good. They know Please, what we're talking about. Hit, hit us on Twitter and tell us which one was worse. <laughs> Either way, uh, uh, up until the fact that Robert Johnson starts to kind of overshadow him as his protege and in, in his later life, uh, he is considered just the leading 100% slide guitarist master. He is, oh, yeah. That is him. Uh, but uh, people just always overlook the religious elements. There's a lot of examples in most of his songs. Uh, Death Letter Blues has several oh, man, lines. That's that, a great song. Too. Yeah. He, he he himself says the Bible is a good book to read. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, Enough said. But, yeah, from from the horse's mouth, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, for the last little portion here, we're gonna cover uh, a series of videos. Uh, these oh are, yeah, these are all the dude check out these videos. Uh, the first one and foremost, it, it, it's it's new for this podcast. Yeah, so <laughs> it's yeah, it's new. It's a variation of the dude check out this song, which has a dude check out this song in these videos too. Yeah, there's a lot of songs in these videos, so it's kind of just an all roped together. First one I'm going to point out is we already kind of talked about it a little bit, but there is one where he is older and yeah. with his family and you know deteriorating and things like that, but. It is such a great interview, and it is still just amazing to watch, even if you can't just flip through it. And which which interview is this? It's named in so many different ways mm. on, on the on the various sources. You might find it. You type interview Sunhouse, you're going to find that one eventually. Okay. And is it, This is the one with Mike Bloomfield, right? No, this, this is the one where we'll be covering the Mike Bloomfield oh, okay. one here in a second. Uh, but this is just the one with him and his family. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so like I said, it's it, it's about him. It was a it was a documentary made in the sixties or seventies or something like that. It is it is worth watching. I I didn't really draw anything from it, so okay. This, so this is the one I haven't seen. Yeah, this is the one that it really doesn't matter too much with the source material. It's because he's so much older. He they look at a is picture. he still quotable though? Because he's pretty funny in some of these interviews. Oh, I could probably quote it, but it it it, it would almost be sad because they're just like looking at a f- picture of them like when he's young and oh yeah. The, it's a family member and she's excited about the picture and he's like, Oh yeah, that's, 
and then eventually he realizes it's her, and you know, uh, it's, so it is a little bit. Maybe sad. maybe all, Alzheimer's is kind of getting yeah, to him, probably kicking in there. Yeah. Uh, the second one is way less sad. Uh, there's an interview between Sunhouse, uh, Mike Bloomfield, and Paul Butterfield. Uh, Mike Bloomfield and Paul Butterfield are like younger blues musicians of this era. Uh, they're <laughs> some of the quotes of this interview yeah. are are legendary. Yeah, so these are pretty good. So yeah, if you guys for this one, you just search Sunhouse, Mike Bloomfield, Paul Butterfield, and check that interview out, and it is amazing. Mike Bloomfield says something about uh about him being Jewish and how he grew up in a in a rich home and he just borrowed the blues. And <laughs> he's been he's been Jewish for a few years. It's, it's hard to it's hard to like really display the energy there. Yeah, you you gotta. You got to hear it. It's funny when you hear it. Yeah, it is. It is well worth taking a look at. Uh, and, and for our last and final piece, uh, we have there is a show that they had called Camera Three. So this is this this was a pretty short running show and wasn't super popular, but it was well known for like running different types of art than anybody else on right. the TV at the time. Like they even displayed like Salvador Dali's paintings. Oh, really? Like a whole episode of Salvador, Salvador Oh, that's Dali. pretty cool. Uh, they had a couple other weird ones. Like they had a couple failure uh, episodes like, <laughs> that people really didn't like. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the one episode I saw, the, the Sunhouse one, I mean, they do have that bald, white, old, bald, white guy oh, who yeah. just like steps in while he's playing and talks in front of him. And so, yeah, if you if you want to take a look, by all means, please take a look. This is the best thing to listen to. This is like well, well comprised. Yeah, there, there's really good songs on there. Good audio quality. Some of the one of the best versions of Death Letter Blues. Oh, uh, that's comes out. That's of my dude. Check out the song from this. If, yeah. if you only watch one thing, just watch that live version of that song and you will understand why Sunhouse is a badass. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's Sunhouse and Buddy Guy, camera three. And then so uh there's well, a sort of. It seemed like they really cut to him quick and then Yeah, they they do they do Buddy Guy dirty. They yeah. they play Sunhouse for like a good like twenty minutes and but like in the beginning they play a full Sunhouse song and then they play fourteen seconds of Buddy <laughs> Guy and it's just like oh I mean yeah, I understand he's younger and it's a different type, you know. But, oh yeah. But I don't know. It just, maybe that's why the show didn't last very long because it's like it had a great concept, but their execution was kinda poor. Yeah, and then the the host old old white man host comes on and says some gives him some of the most backhanded underhanded compliments <laughs> of the history of man. Uh, I believe he says it's not poetry; it's inward something. Yeah, uh, he said something along the lines that it's not poetry. Yeah, and that it uh, this type of music was too personal for white audiences, but now the youth desire uh, desire how it really is. Yeah, and it's like well, cringy. It, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I understand that it's it's a different era, but shut up, old man. Right. <laughs> when he and the weird thing is that he's saying this while uh while Sunhouse is playing in the background yeah, too. Exactly. It's really weird. He's like he like he like walks to the side of the stage and they turn a light down on him, but Sunhouse is still playing, and then he just starts like kind of talking shit about him and like, blues you in general. Imagine, like, <laughs> um, I would be so upset. And he basically said, well, I don't like the blues, but some people do. So here's Sunhouse. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I think blues sucks. Here's Sunhouse. <laughs> this is my opinion. I'm an old white guy and I don't understand these young folk nowadays. But Sunhouse's interview is legendary. Oh yeah. If you guys, you know, I advise watching the whole thing, uh, at least watch the important parts like the white man being a jerk 
and uh, Sunhouse's recordings and them doing them doing uh, Buddy Guy dirty in the first half. You'll see that <laughs> if you just watch the first song, you'll see you'll see the terrible terrible editing. Sunhouse's interview. He quotes some of the best quotes in the world. He says, "There's some of these young people. They don't know nothing about blues. They, they, they take anything and turn it into the blues. Slide a slip <laughs> up and they make a blues song about it. <laughs> There's only one type of blues. It's the other quote: uh, it, the blues between a man and a woman. You know what I'm talking about when you when you really love somebody and they do you wrong and you're sitting there like, ooh. <laughs> and that's that's the only thing that the blues are. Yeah, exactly. Only thing that's the one thing that constitutes the blues. <laughs> and he he emphatically says a man and a woman like four times. So I'm not really we're we're gonna skip over that eh, portion. But, another uh, time period. Yeah, another. Let's just say that maybe another episode. But yeah, uh, let's not, let's not start st- uh, stepping on uh, Sunhouse's uh, <laughs> legend right here, Pat. Come on, we, we made it just just the last strip. I mean, he the, did kill a man, maybe two. And you you were just talking about an old white guy giving him backhanded compliments. Too. Oh shit! <laughs> God damn it! I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the episode tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for tuning in. Sunhouse is a badass. Yeah, you guys got to check him out, especially his later stuff. His, but he's got a ton and ton of videos online, and you can just see the magic in him from uh, from from these live shows, these interviews. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, and you, you find this correct interviews, and you find just... just Look at anything, honestly. Like he has so much stuff out there that I couldn't possibly ask you guys to look at each thing individually. But if you really enjoy his stuff, take a look and check out those few songs we pointed out. And if you like them, you're gonna keep diving. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of the ways that I fell into some of the deep blues as I found you know Sunhouse and a couple other ways to get in. And all of a sudden, before you know, you've gone down the rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Thanks for checking out our songs, and uh, we all love you. Yep. Thank Have a you. Good day. Seriously, thank you guys so much for coming out. Yeah, thank you guys. And if you want more, check out our social media. We got Facebook, we got Twitter, and we got Spotify. That's right. If you want to do check out this song, do check out our Spotify because we're making playlists for every episode. Yeah, if you want more after the episode, listen to the Spotify playlist. We've got all the songs we recommended and then some. If you like us a lot, give us a high rating on whatever platform you look at. And if you got any artists you want to suggest, let us know. We would love to make an episode about them. Yeah, so have a good evening. Bye.